0: welcome to the glam life podcast where we empower and inspire beauty professionals to take their careers to the next level your host victoria is a certified business coach with over a decade of experience in the beauty industry helping countless beauty professionals start and grow successful businesses now she's sharing her knowledge and expertise with you Whether you're just starting out in the beauty industry or looking to take your business to new heights, this podcast is for you, covering topics like community, management, branding, and much more. So join us on this journey to build the beauty business of your dreams.
1: Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Glam Life Podcast. My name is Victoria Rocca. You might know me as Victoria Glam if you follow me over on Instagram. And if you don't, you totally should. You can follow the Glam Life over at at the Glam Life Podcast. Uh we have our own Instagram now. We are also available on YouTube with the exact same name. And I am joined today by an OG in the industry, someone whose name you might not know, but you totally should. If you're anyone who's anyone, then you do. It's Miss Robin Hayes. Hi, Robin. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you? I'm well. No, thank you for making time. I know you're a busy lady. You guys yeah, robin today was has a lot of paperwork, so is it? Yeah, it was paperwork day today. Robin has um more than one location she works out of. So you travel mm-hmm. between Tennessee and Georgia a lot, right? Yeah. Um, I'm three days in one and two days in the other, and then just back and forth every week. You do not have a huge mm-hmm. digital footprint though. So when I started looking into you, to me, yeah. you are one of the OGs, someone whose name I've known a really long time. Um, mm-hmm. But as I started looking for other interviews you'd done or even just about me sections on various websites, anywhere I could pull information on your early career. There's yeah. not a whole, lot. I think some of that is coupled with, we didn't use the internet in 1993. Yes. sure. And some of that is coupled with, you know, how much internetting do you actually do on a day-to-day basis?
0: Well, you know, You're not, busy. Being, not being a trainer, not really being a social media person, you know, having four kids, having a husband that is an hour and a half away on certain nights and certain days you know, it just is what it is. I, I put my energy into my patients and my people when I'm working on them. And then the rest of this stuff is all me. So yeah, I don't have a huge um, footprint as far as that goes. And that's okay.
1: That's okay. There's just more, mm-hmm. more layers of the onion to peel back today. Yeah. So yeah. A, a quick recap and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, Robin, what I was mm-hmm. it- find out is that Robin started in 1993, which was very rudimentary as far as permanent makeup goes. And then you actually are one of the lucky ones who got to start with a full on apprenticeship. You did an 18 month apprenticeship
0: down in Alabama. How did
1: that happen? So actually my
0: mom, um, she started in it first. So she had a friend that went to Birmingham to get her makeup done. Um, and there was a lady named GJ Norman in Birmingham that was doing apprenticeships. She trained under Mary Jane Hackey, who's a traditional, uh, tattooist. And, um, she went and did her apprenticeship, which was a year. And then sort of was like, Hey, I was of course, one of her little guinea pigs. So I got my eyeliner and my lip liner done oh. um, during her training. Yeah, that was rough. And, uh, there's nothing like being worked on by your mom. So that's very humbling. Um, And then I decided to follow suit after that. So then we worked together um, for a good amount of time um, and then started branching out to the different locations that I'm still handling. She's been retired about 10 years now.
1: What were you doing
0: before permanent makeup? So I had studied interior design Mm. and then I um, was um, getting into nursing school when all of this came about. So really art, I went to art school, yeah. you know, nothing, but I was doing more interior design
1: stuff. Um, so <clears throat> your mom got started in this and then you got mm-hmm. curious about it basically. Yeah, so
0: I was 20, 23 when I started. So, so I didn't yeah. have a, a lot of experience. Yeah. So in, yeah. In I, was, mm-hmm. I was 23
1: a decade and some ago, but I, I wasn't in this yet. I hadn't found it just yet, but I remember being so angry when I was 23 because I met my husband and I was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm just getting started. I'm so young. <laughs> I have more party to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, but I get from that, that frame. Like 23 is so young.
0: Did you know yeah, you were going to was... be
1: dedicating your life to it? Well,
0: you know, it was interesting because when I started, everybody was like my age now, or older, was their second and third career. So I was super, super young then.
1: Hey, commercials suck, so I'm going to make this really annoying. This podcast is only possible because of our friends at BrowSister.com. Head over to BrowSister.com and check out our amazing selections of the best anesthetics on the market, all of the best and most reputable pigments, needles, and anything else you could possibly want. We've got everyone from Taryn to Shea Danielle, and now we even have lash supplies. See you there. BrowSister.com. Use code GLAMLIFE for 20% off your next order.
0: So I was able to, you know, really embrace the older people and let them take, you know, me under their wing. Now, I feel like here I am, that person, and then all these younger people are getting into it. Um, so did I think I was going to do it? I think I knew by like day two. Yep, yeah, this is it. Wow. When yeah. you know, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it was just, I was like, hey, I'm good, you know.
1: And when I loved it, and you, I still love it. When did you make the decision to not educate?
0: Um, I think because, uh, for one thing, the states that I am in are a little limited. Tennessee requires a one-year apprenticeship. So for that, I would have to take those people on for a year. Um, and it doesn't really regulate hours and whatnot, so it's just very elementary on how to handle that. And because I've always shared an office with plastic surgeons, that gets a little bit more complicated because you're bringing people in and out. Um, And then with Atlanta, you're supposed to be uh, in a physician's office to do eyeliner. So that complicates that even further. And of course, back when I trained eyeliner was the first thing you learned. Oh really? Then it was brows. Then lips were considered uh, advanced. And okay. breast, you couldn't even get insured for, for like five years.
1: Oh, so wow.
0: things have sort of like totally turned around. Now people are scared to do eyeliner. To me, that's like the easiest thing in the world but that, I was agree. The thing that I was trained on. So um, I think for that and the fact that I do have so many offices and locations, anybody that wants to try to keep up with me, I'm more than welcome to let them try. But I'm not so sure that most people could do that. I was very blessed to have people, you know, to help me with my kids and, uh, you know, a husband that was supportive and all that kind of right. stuff. Um, so most people wouldn't be able to just do what I did and stay on the road like I do and still do. And um, so for me, that just really wasn't where it was at. I also never really found anybody that I felt was like fully committed um, to take it on. Like I felt like they should like an apprenticeship. Yeah. So even though people say like, I really want to do this, it's like, well, okay, then you have to be in, you know, who can af- afford as a new person to come in and spend a whole year, um, you know, trying to train and learn the, you know,
1: yeah, I guess the, the ways,
0: the ways of the world. Um, yeah. So it, too then you've got to, you know, just it, to me, it was just more of a, I don't have the time. I don't have the, the setup for it. And I really didn't want to be tied down.
1: When you first started, you started with liner, brows, later lips. When did you mm-hmm. get into, because you don't specialize in that. You specialize in areola and scar revision. When did you kind um, of take that turn?
0: I mean, I, I still do. I mean, I still do. I usually see five people a day. It, it's it's almost an even between lips and, I mean, between brows and eyes. Mm-hmm. Even though I specialize in the other things, it's, I still do more brows and eyeliner than I do the other things. Um, but I, you know, I'm trying to push myself more towards just the paramedical just because to me, it's just more fun. I love the learning experiences and I love my doctors that people to me. Yeah. Um, and it's just more giving. You, know, you, you feel like you have more of a purpose after 30 years. Sometimes you sort of feel like, you know, you've sort of lost your your way a little bit. You've lost your why, I guess. Um, so with that that part sort of keeps me going. So I'm about 25 to 30 paramedical, and the rest is still um, traditional permanent makeup. How many so- years have been
1: when you started paramedical?
0: Uh, it was five years before before we could get insured. PPIB made people be insured, and then I did do some training with um, some people for breast um, people like Elizabeth Finch and Rosemary Boschman And um, great,
1: I'm so glad you mentioned that because I wanted to talk to you about Elizabeth Finch. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, so we used to teach some classes because Elizabeth had a you know a good line for camo and that kind of thing.
1: I um, well, first let me start at the very beginning. When mm-hmm. I first started, I trained with Lisa Fast in Houston. She mm-hmm. was my first educator ever. Um, mm-hmm. Wonderful lady, really like her. But of course, just like everybody else, I continue my education all the time, right? So I've trained with sure. a lot of the same people you've trained with, actually. Mm-hmm. We know a lot of the same people. Mary Richardson, Nassing Vicki Hansen, Terry Lively, mm-hmm. Courtney Stevens, Jen yeah. Boyd, Karen Darling. I mean, y- you run the gambit. You've trained with everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But when I took a class, I don't remember if it was with um, with Vicki or if it was Lisa, but one mm-hmm. of them told me to go on the SPCP website and it has a, a little drop down tab. It's still there today, 10 years later, mm-hmm. that says articles for technicians.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: very first one that comes up is The Color Brown by Elizabeth Finch Howell. This yes. article is at least 10 years old because that's when I sure. found it. It yeah. was yeah. so helpful. It mm-hmm. might be the most, I mean, we're going to get so many clicks on it now, but it might be the most helpful thing that I ever read about understanding how brown is made. But you actually, going back to the very beginning, you had to figure that out on your own, didn't you?
0: Because they yeah, didn't course, you pigment. El- El- Elizabeth makes pigment. So it's very yes. easy for her to explain That's it right. better than us lay people. But uh, I was basically given seven colors and that was it. I had to mix everything. So I had, it was powder, um, Yeah, it was a powder. It was mixed with distilled water, alcohol, sometimes glycerin in a blender because nobody, nobody would sell to us except for Spalding and Rogers and United (laughs) Tattoo. Everybody else was like, no, we're not selling to y'all. Y'all learned in two days a week, you're a bunch of hack jobs, not going to happen. So we were very underground back in the early 90s. Um, And so you had to learn to mix your colors. I had a brunette, a blonde, a black, a white, um, peaking red, which is off the market, and a mauve. And I had to do everything with those pigments. <laughs> um, and How did that, you figure
1: out the, how did you figure out your, your
0: formulas? You wrote down basically, you know, like a quarter of this, two thirds this, you know, We didn't dilute. Um, We didn't put orange in anything. Um, Of course, you know, back then we're using carbon on everything. Um, So you basically did everybody with the same black on eyeliner. Um, And then you had your brunette and your blonde and you could mix those for the brows. And then with the lips, it was you had the peaking red and then you could just darken it with the burgundy color.
1: I'm sweating with
0: white, oh. which I never really did, but so my art came into play for that reason.
1: Yeah. How did how did those first couple of clients come back healed? Were they were yeah, they the I mean, color?
0: Yeah, absolutely they were. And of course I was using a traditional tattoo machine. We didn't have this was even before the little plastic pin machines came out. Um, so there was a lot of color. There just wasn't a lot of vast colors like we have now. It's like OPI. When you go get your nails done now, you've got like 15 colors of fuchsia and 20 colors of blonde. And people just don't realize how good they have it to not have to mix. You know, I love, and I still mix some, but, um, you know, it definitely takes the, the guesswork out of it, which is nice.
1: Did you wind up kind of swinging the pendulum the other way? And as things became more widely available to you, did you like take on a huge color? I don't know. Um,
0: Not really. I would say what I did after I left my apprenticeship was um, I was using a lot of derma uh, medical derma international because of Elizabeth and we were very close. And of course she had wonderful lip colors, wonderful brow colors. um, And there weren't a whole lot of other options out there. Um, and then Li came on board and my friend was repping them. So I got on board with Li, and I use those for about 15 years and I still use them. They're great for my mature clients, which I have because I have clients that I've had for 20, 25 years. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then obviously when the carbons came in the market, I bought a gazooks of those. I'm always, I buy every machine and every pigment and, you know, I try and see what works, but certainly if that client comes back in two or three or five years and what I did, looks great. I'm going to go right back to it. I'm not going to change it. So I always keep up with, you know, everything very well. Um, everybody's like, do you know my pig? Yep. I still have charts that are 20 years old (laughs) sitting in the back. We have a whole room of charts. My doctor and I've been together for since 98. So we both are old school. I can't imagine
1: Did you know that the Glam Life Podcast now has its own Instagram page? At the Glam Life Podcast. Go check it out. Give us a follow. ...to that clinic, to this clinic. I can't imagine the amount of paperwork you lug around.
0: Yeah, um,
1: I just... Did you digitize
0: it? Yeah, I have gotten somebody to start, you know, taking. And after 10 years, now we send them off and they get stored. Um, And then some get shredded, of course, after a certain amount of time. And I try to keep the first five to seven years... um, but yeah, it gets a little much sometimes now, of course, they're all in the computer. But the biggest thing is how much stuff I have to lug around because there's a different I have a different kit for areola and different kit for scars. And then I have my big travel kit for everything else.
1: Oh, I wanted to ask you. And if you didn't mm-hmm. like it, that's OK. We can cut this out. <laughs> yeah. I sent you um, pink gel and pink cream samples. Did you like them? Yeah. Did I make it into a kit? Yes, 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 yes,
0: absolutely, absolutely. I'm saying yeah. it right I love now. The, Yeah, I love the foam, and um, and then I've noticed a few more people sort of, you know, climbing on board afterwards. So good job with that.
1: Thank um, you.
0: What I like about the the um, primary that you have is that it's a mixture. Yeah. And it's very hard. They uh, they they're, they come and go. Like some people have them and then they don't, and then they have them and they don't. But For me, for eyeliner, you have to have a mixture because eyeliner is usually the worst thing for people. And so certain canes don't work on certain people. Um, So that's great. You have like the quick onset and then you have the duration set. Obviously, secondaries, I mean, it's golden. We didn't have that back in the day. We just had Imla that we imported from Mexico and, Uh and we let them sit in the lobby and just like numb for 30 minutes probably gave corneal abrasions who knows but that's how we did it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I um I remember in my first class with Lisa she was telling me why more than 5% lidocaine was illegal and she was talking about this lady who had decided to numb herself So she just wrapped, like drenched herself in EMLO on this part of her body somewhere where she wanted to get a tattoo and she hand wrapped it and she left it on for like two or three hours. So of course she was basically like overdosing herself. Yes. Yes. And I was absolutely terrified to use any kind of numbing because I was like, well, I don't know what's in this and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a medical professional. I was super, super intimidated. That's actually how I got started kind of like on that journey as I started studying it because anything that I'm scared of, I lean into. So I was terrified of the epidural and of childbirth. Like I heard crowning really hurt terrified. So I became a birth coach and I got in there. I mean, I didn't have the time to become a nurse and get in there. So I became a birth coach and I got in there. I attended 10 births, 11 babies. One was twins before I ever got pregnant. And yeah, I mean, I just always, okay, I'll do it. I'll try it out. I'll do it. Yeah.
0: That's hey, you just gotta jump in sometimes.
1: Sometimes you have Be to first. pioneer things.
0: Be first, yeah.
1: <laughs> you you kind of spearhead things a lot, I feel. Um, you were one of the first to say, yeah, I'm gonna dive into this and make it a career. Not not mm-hmm. my second career, not my third career. I'm just gonna go full force into this and get started with it. You right. were one of the first who started working at multiple locations, working with doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, and you I could be wrong about this. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm wrong or not. Were you on both the board of the SPCP and the AAM?
0: Not at the same time, but yeah.
1: yes. Yes. Has so, anyone else done that? Um, Some people have done it,
0: but I don't think anybody's been. I was president of the AAM many, many <laughs> no. moons ago. And then SPCP, cool. I declined being the president just because I had spent so much time on the AM that, you know, I missed so much of my kids growing up that I declined it, but I was on that board for four years. So
1: it says this on something that I read. Mm -hmm. Um, You are a, you have a lifetime membership to the SPC. Yes. Yes. How does one get a lifetime membership? So after 10 years
0: of being a member, you can apply. And um, it was just a way to sort of acknowledge us as, as more mature women the you know um because you know even when some of them would like right now we have people that have retired but they'll still come to meetings and just because they want to see their their friends yeah you know, which is great so it's just a great way to sort of acknowledge and we always laugh about one day we're just going to have a big walker sitting on top of one of the tables and be like hey
1: come hi <laughs> man yeah.
0: <laughs> i used yeah, to so, um
1: uh...
0: no go ahead sorry no. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a way to sort of acknowledge um, how many years somebody has put into the industry. We used yeah. to give out little, you know, lapel pins with little rubies and all that stuff in them. But um, yeah, I think it's just, it's just a way to acknowledge that you've really put your hard-earned time in to help an organization and those kind of things.
1: I think we should bring that back because there is something to it and you actually said this yep. in another interview so I'm quoting you but all of my mm-hmm. best friends are my colleagues and Absolutely. I see them at conventions. Absolutely. That is exactly what my friends and I are experiencing right now. Like yep. Katie Schofield from the UK just left, Alice mm-hmm. Kingdom was here, Veronica Fleischer was here, they all came, you know, during Christmas and we visited and I hosted everyone. And it yeah. very much feels like those are my friends, Absolutely. Which they are. But I mean, even my they're my core group of friends because they live yeah. in my pocket all the time. Right. So yeah. every day I talk to six or 10 of my colleagues all day long and we collaborate on things and we do mm-hmm. courses together or we do products together or we do launches together. We are yeah. very intertwined in each other's lives. Nobody so it makes understands sense. how crazy <laughs> we are. Exactly. And yeah. it only makes sense that, you know, as we age and we retire, who are we still going to mm-hmm. want to hang out with? The people we've hung yeah. out with every day for 60 years.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> 60. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's almost like you, you sort of come down off this like high because you've been with your friends. I was just in Austin with a few people. Um Sometimes we train, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just have fun. I'm getting yeah. ready to go to Japan um at the end of, well, the first part of February with our executive director from the SPCP, um, and she's speaking um, at doctor, uh, the doctor. The executive director is Shannon Zigafoos. Terry is okay. the president, so Shannon handles the day to day. But I'm going to go and um, just assist her. She's gonna. She is a nurse, but she's speaking to the medical tattoo uh group there because in Japan you know tattooing is still illegal and but that's a good way for them to hit, you know sort of spearhead it under this group so um that's going to be fun you know a huge 25 hour flight we'll be gone for you know be there for a couple of days and fly back but we'll get to really talk about things and growth and things that you know I can help with I'm not on the board anymore but I've got enough knowledge from throwing conventions and all that kind of stuff that I'm always there to help and we just all you know we text each other every day we send each other stupid
1: memes you know yes. um
0: whatever you know we vent
1: it's funny how history just repeats itself over yes. and over and over because that's exactly Ooh. what we do i flew to yes. miami last weekend um to spend a, a girl's weekend with carla Richie Arden. we had a little sleepover yeah and she tattooed my areola. And while we were there, we invented a new product that we're now developing. doing some R and D on. But there isn't it go. funny how like that's just the way business is done now? It's not it's what we think about meetings in a boardroom. It's just yeah. your besties hanging out because you're you're never not working. You're always with your friends,
0: and you're always
1: working. Always working.
0: we're talking about work. Yeah, it never ends.
1: It never ends. It's your whole life now. And even the
0: husbands, like, they don't even want to be there. They're like, Good God, can y'all just cut it off? Or we can't cut it off. My,
1: <laughs> how the tables have turned.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. My poor yeah, husband. Perfect. He came to um, UK PMU conference with me and he did roll <laughs> up in Miami because mm-hmm. we, we went there and then we flew straight to Miami.
0: Sure. And
1: it was our anniversary. So we had about a week in between that we just said, well, if we're already in Europe, well, we drove through Switzerland and Germany and spent that as like our, mm. so that's nice. We got to kind of yeah. write off our holiday a little bit, Yeah, but then that means that he had to actually sit through work while <laughs> I sat at my table selling, you know, shilling my wares. Yeah, and of course. He was so bored.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Was so bored. I was like, well, I have to actually work if we're going to take a work trip. No, I know. I just would go
0: home. (laughs) We just sort of say like, you can come, but you're not going to have any fun. You know, chances are. I have fun though. Yeah. But I'm going to have fun. And you're going to be sort of, even when I go with my husband to his conferences, I'm sort of sitting there like, "Uh," what's your husband do? He's uh, orthospine. Okay. He he fixes people's backs, which is great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially our field. Nice but, snow, yeah, good I mean, guy. You know, same thing. And he, it's funny too, because he'll be like, okay, I don't want to see this. We can sneak out for a couple hours. I do the same
1: thing. Like, I don't need to hear this. I don't do this. I'll sneak out for a couple hours kind of
0: thing. So yeah, but we're yeah going, it's nice to incorporate it.
1: Yeah. If we're going like to travel somewhere, I don't want to just see the inside of the boardroom. I want to see the place. So we got to get there a day uh, early or leave a day late because I want to see, and we have to do it together. That's why we're married. Your are contractually yeah. obligated to your best friend. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. How did you, you are.
1: Um, go ahead?
0: Yeah, no, I said, yeah, you are. So you know, but if you incorporated, it, it's you know, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. How did you get hooked up with um Jill Ulmer and Hope and Olive? Um.
0: Wow. I, I can't. I, I she just reached out to me. I think. Um. This has been a few years, but um, I've always done you know side volunteer stuff. Um. I used to be The president of a breast cancer organization um, in Chattanooga that helped raise funds for uh, college for breast cancer survivors' kids. Um, and so I guess probably that word of mouth, you know, through my other colleagues that um, were with her. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was it. Um, and the same thing with Sawyer Institute. Um, I'm the referral artist for um, a couple of states, I've been with them for a few years. And then I, there, there's a um, breast cancer organization out of Dallas called AIRS that I'm also with. So um, they usually just sort of reach out to me for, you know, colleagues probably refer, you know, you need to call her up and see, you know, because Atlanta's a pretty big market. Yeah. Um, for all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And she's, I mean, what she's doing is great. So I love to see, you know, her incorporate more people and all the stuff that she does is just wonderful. So. I always like to give back this way. I know how.
1: Yeah. That's the thing, right? Is yes, it's a business, but at the same time, I mean, for someone else, it's not necessarily just a purchase that they're making. It's something that's very important to them.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: At some point you're, you're not blurring the line if you know how to run a business, but if you never were taught how to run a business, you're going to give the shirt off your back at some point, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think what yeah. she did was really selfless, setting up an yes. entire um, it's a lot of work to support people. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Sure. I, I know Jill, not through Hope and Olive, but actually I was um, briefly, we were, we were working together on kind of building her brand and expanding it. And mm-hmm. I got to understand Hope and Olive in the way that it works through those meetings that we had together. We were together, I don't know, like a couple months, maybe. And sure. she's such a nice lady. So many children, mm-hmm. <laughs> so many children. Yeah. Yeah. And we're now like, we're just Facebook it? friends. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how she manages it all. because She has her own practice. Then her husband has his own business. Then she's yeah. got a nonprofit and she's got seven kids. Is that right? Seven. If it's not yeah. seven, it feels like it. She, poor and she's so tiny. I don't know how she does it all. But when I saw that you guys work together, I thought, Oh, she's good people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You just do it. You know, you're like a little pinball inside of a pinball machine and just, you know, going back and forth. That my dad used to always say that I'm just going to drive up behind myself one day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's how often you get around, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah. How far apart are your kids? So I have four because I have stepkids now. So my uh, oldest is 22, just finished nursing school, working on her nursing doctorate. My son is 20 and he's a junior in college working on a a business music degree. And he also is a musician. And then I have a 15 year old and a 12 year old stepson.
1: Oh, wow. You got a full house.
0: Yeah. And three dogs. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh God, three dogs. Oh, don't get yeah. me started talking about my dogs. I yeah, am two trouble with mom. me and one doesn't. So you're so lucky that you get to have them with you all the time. Yeah. yeah I yeah. want to bring my dogs to work. And I thought about, have you ever seen do you know Carla Richie Richardone really well? I've met her
0: once and um heard her speak a few times. But I know so, Steve a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Well, this was my first time meeting Steve in person, actually. Mm-hmm. But I know Carla really well. We've had a million sleepovers. She mm-hmm. has this dog named buddy who is a big, like German shepherd herding dog and Right he is police trained. So mm-hmm. he's not like he'll snuggle with her, but he's not going to come up to you and wag his tail and ask you to pet him, that kind of stuff. So at first I was a little put off by him. Like, Oh, I don't know how to, should I salute you? Or like, I don't know how to treat you, dude. Right. But he is always following Carla around. He can't stand and not be able to physically see her. And right. he is a service dog. So she takes him to work with her and right. he just lays in one spot. He's not all over the place. He lays down and he doesn't move unless Carla needs him, but mm-hmm. he can alert if you have a high heart rate or low blood sugar or so he's like a medical alert dog, which sure. I think is super cool. Right. I want my dog Jerry to get trained like that. So I asked her, where do I send him to get trained like that? Cause I want to bring Jerry with me everywhere. And she sent me some videos and I was like, oh, I don't want Jerry to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like
1: $25,000 later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like six months. And then you have to make all these changes around your house to like keep him strict and regimented. And I know my my four-year-old is not going to go for it. And then I have a little short fat dog named Blanche who is mm-hmm. just obsessed with my husband. And she thinks that she is a potato. Like she rolls this way and she <laughs> she doesn't stop licking ever. And she yeah. was supposed to be my birthday gift, but she just imprinted on him. Like mm-hmm. if Andrew coughs, she's like, did you need me? Mm-hmm. She loves that man way more than she could ever love me she, I just don't think she would make any of those changes we would have to make in our home to have a service
0: dog. Yeah. I think there's just certain, I mean, you know, if you look at police dogs and you look at, you know, all the dogs at airports, I mean, that you, you usually see German shepherds and then I've noticed a lot of labs lately too. Yeah. Um, but I think they have to start off as a puppy to yeah. really, be, you know, train. Well, my under- dogs are young. They're yeah. a year, a yeah. year and a
1: little bit. So like somewhere around 18 months, they think, cause I adopted yeah. them. But, yes. uh, you know, Jerry is a, a bigger, stronger dog like that, but not Blanche. Mm-hmm. Blanche is yeah. a
0: potato. She to roll over.
1: Blanche is a hoe. She already yeah. had some babies. I don't know where they are. She is so young and she already had some babies. And then they just dropped her off mm-hmm. at the pound like, bye, girl.
0: Yeah, that's she, what happens. You got to watch
1: out. I have a feeling, actually, that she either had babies that didn't survive and they thought they were going to use her for breeding or Mm -hmm. they bred her thinking she would make like stoutier pitties and that's just not what she is so they were like well i don't really know what to do with you and they got rid of her but i love her she's great but she can't come to work with me i even got her a little um vest that said manager Mm -hmm. and i take her to the warehouse (laughs) but she can't come in the actual shop (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's
0: interesting with that because some people are just like, no. And then you got the health department things, and no, But, you know, everybody's carrying their dogs everywhere these days. You go to Home Depot, everybody's got their dogs. Now people are taking cats on a plane. Oh, yeah. am like, what? Cat can stay home for a good week. He didn't need anybody, you know. But I'm like, yeah, you know, my dogs would rather just be, you know, chilling out. They don't but mind going right are... in the car, but they don't really, you know, they don't people like to go to the dog daycare or anything.
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't put my dogs in daycare or anything. I mean they can stay yeah. in their kennels for three or four hours while I could I, I live blocks away. I could walk right. if I needed to. Right. Right, but right. Uh, people are ruining it because they're lying and saying that yes. this is a service dog and it's not a service dog. I showed up to work the other day and one of my booth renters had a guest here and their dog greeted me at the front door. Just <laughs> And I was like, who are you? Where is your owner? And why are you in my tattoo studio? Yeah, So I, I brought the dog back. She was her eyes are closed. She's getting lashes. Then she was like, oh, that's my service dog. I was like, well, he needs to stay with his guest."
0: Yeah,
1: I never seen a service dog do that i'm not yeah i'm always he's like not. a little
0: little chihuahua service dog you know exactly
1: whatever. yeah like you a know. little Pomeranian. Yeah. You, yeah you can't be running free through my tattoo studio girl you're gonna get me in trouble that's what i said i was like i don't want to lose my license you know so yeah. you won't he's legal i was like well there's no such thing as legal but yeah um whatever he's trained to do he needs to be doing that and he has to stay with his guest i that's why i know i can't just bring jerry Gerald yes. cannot just come to work with me and just run around. He's absolutely lawless. He will go yes. anywhere he wants. And if he if he really likes you, he'll lift his leg. He's peed on Blanche more times than <laughs> i peed in the toilet, I think. He's like, I love you. You're mine. They believe rivalry there. Yeah. <laughs> He's just so happy to have a home. You know, my husband and I had dogs for 14 and 13 years, respectively. We had one dog for 13, one for 14, and they passed away. And I was just. Absolutely besotted. I couldn't. I couldn't handle it. So I begged and begged. I had to have more dogs. I knew that my dog, who made it to fourteen, I knew that he was passing. And I said, yeah. "I can't come home to an empty house." He was like, "You have two kids. It's not an empty house." Was like, yeah, but they yeah. don't snuggle with me and everything else. You have to give me a dog. So he got me Jerry about a week before my birthday. He was going to get him on my birthday, but then he found out that he was going to be euthanized because he had been in the shelter for his hundred and sixty days or whatever it is. Right. So he was on a job and he called me. He was like, hey, your birthday is going to be put down. You better go get him. So I ran mm. and, and got Jerry. And then at the end of the week, when he came back in town, he surprised me by taking me back to the, the pound and we got Blanche also. So I got really lucky. But I, I remember thinking like, man, you have no idea. This is such a good dog. And he was yeah. going to be put down for no reason, you know? Because he knows you saved him. I think so. He really, really appreciates that. And he didn't know, he didn't know my husband existed because my husband wasn't home for like a week. So he never even met him. He knew about, he knew me and he knew the kids. And then in the middle of the night, my husband comes home, I'm sleeping all the lights are off. The dog is sleeping. All of a sudden I hear the dog growling. I had never heard this before in my life. This dog has never even barked in seven days. He's never barked. I was like, Oh my God, is this dog going to eat me? And my husband turned on the lights and he said, Hello, Jerry. <laughs> the dog was like, Who are you? And why are you here? Yeah, he was protecting you. I and know, now he's, he's now he's just throwing you to the side. <laughs> no, Jerry still loves me, but Blanche couldn't care any less. Blanche Oh, it's Blanche. Well, okay, gotcha. And Jerry's okay. the one that I want to take to work. But if he's that protective of me, I don't think that I could take him without like some real training. So yeah. But when yeah. Carla showed me, I was like, girl. No, I'm not capable of yeah. being that kind of a parent. I like mean, I'm just
0: trying to raise kids that aren't sticking Cheerios up their nose. Come on. I Nina. accidentally
1: told my kids that ghosts were real. So I don't think that I can be entrusted with much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh
1: my God. Oh yeah. Get so
0: it.
1: Okay. if your oldest is 20, 20, or 21, would you say? 22. 22. So you were already a few years into your career before you started having children.
0: Oh yeah. Um so I didn't uh have Gabby until I was 31. So I'm running around in Orlando running an AAM convention with the big belly. You oh know? my God. Yeah. yeah. So conventions yeah. are
1: so much fun. I really like them a lot. I'm still like in love with going to conventions and meeting people for the first time and speaking. Yes. I'm loving it. I yep. hear that it gets old at some point. Um, but currently I'm not there yet. I'm still absolutely loving it, but not having my kids with me for days on end. I do not like, how yeah. did you deal with that? Cause you travel all week long.
0: Yeah. I mean, there were, they were used to me traveling. Well, I would only travel like towards the end of the week normally. So I would be home, you know, for five days, a weekend, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I hit the road Thursday, Friday. I don't work on the weekends, so I usually just work four to five days. So it was always, sometimes I would just go down for the day and turn around and come back. But very hands-on husband and, you know, a, gr- a great um, lady that was with us for years that helped me. So, um, and then, you know, they they did the daycare three days a week thing when they got old enough, so it worked great. They, they so far aren't, aren't in therapy. (laughs) But yeah, I had a, had a very wonderful partner. I have one now. Um, and so it just takes, you know, it takes that, um, you know, a lot of organization for sure. I'd always try to make sure I'd, I'd take them to, um, Tuesdays was always their like field trip days, so I'd take those days off or take the half day off, and I'd go to field trips with them and stuff. So it was more about the the quality of the time that I spent with them. Yeah. And they were just used to it. They always knew Thursday night, mom was going to be home later. She wasn't going to be home because she was traveling, and it was you know taco night. You know, it was Mexican night. So they loved it. And if I was home by some weird chance on a Thursday, they were like, "What are you doing here? This is you know, <laughs> You're not Mexican invited night.
1: to taco night. <laughs> Dad, Dad's taking us out. You know,
0: so." <laughs> Yeah. You just, you just, you just figure out your balance.
1: Everybody has their little routine. I like that. You know, whenever I am talking specifically to my ideal student, someone that I want to entertain at the microblading Institute as like their first course ever, I am always talking to you. Um, I, I always want to talk to the mom who wants to be unapologetically the kind of mom she wants to be. She wants to have something of her own that she can build on her own time, but she wants to be the homeroom mom. She wants to be the field trip mom. She doesn't want to have to ask some guy, Hey, can I take time off so that I can go and be a mom? I'm sorry. My kid's sick. I'm not sorry. I chose to be a mom and I want to be a mom and I'm not apologizing for that. I'm sorry. I can't come in. I'm not sorry. I would much rather be with my child at home who needs me. So I love that you said I was the field trip mom. I love that. That speaks to me so hard.
0: Yeah. I mean, being a mom was, it's definitely, and here I am doing it all over again, but you know, to me that, that was my number one. So I just, I just found a way to, you know, make it work, but also needed great help, which I had. So that's pretty important.
1: And it's nice to have something else to throw yourself into also because kids grow up.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's nice to have something else. My mom always said, um, you don't want to, and I think she was actually telling me a cautionary tale now that I kind of think back on it with an adult brain. But she would always say, oh, you have to have something of your own. You don't want to just be a mom because once your kids grow up, you don't have anything. And now as an adult, I'm I'm thinking back on that and thinking, were you trying to tell me that you felt like empty inside (laughs) once we grew up? That is really dark, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they, they,
0: they come back, but they come back differently. You know, it's like you, you you now can like my daughter, I'm taking her to Europe with my mom for her graduation present from nursing school. Like, it's just different. You know, she'll call me and be like, Oh, I wish you were here. We could, you know, watch young Sheldon on the TV, but she doesn't need me, you know? Yeah. She just, she just wants to talk. She wants to bend or whatever. Now she's Um, not your
1: daughter. She's your friend.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's nice. Which Yeah. Did you think, was there ever a point in time where you thought maybe she would enter permanent makeup like you and your mom had?
0: Yeah, I mean, right now she's doing pediatrics, but, you know, she could possibly get into, um, you know, dermatology or something if she wants to. But I think she really wants to sort of just find her road and um, it would be great if, if she would. It'd be awesome. But, you know, I'm not going to push it on her, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yes. And she's also not, she's not a makeup girl per se. She's real blonde and blue eyed, and, you know, six foot tall. And Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, So, um, I think her, her calling might've just, you know, she saw me in scrubs her whole life. So she thought, no, you know, this is what I want to do. So,
1: well, she's still going to help people just in a different way.
0: Yep. Absolutely.
1: Who's who's, who could ever be upset that their daughter is going to be, uh, you know, a doctor or a nurse. Yeah. So a medical professional. That's probably the most yeah. selfless and, and high paying job you could have. Yeah. You want to marry yeah. the two things together, selfless and high. Pay- Cause trust me, I did, I did selfless and low paying and that wasn't the vibe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I and used to work in the-
1: a nonprofit before permanent makeup. And I had my first miscarriage at that job. Actually, that's mm-hmm. when I knew that I wanted to change careers because I told them, My ultrasound was empty for my first pregnancy. So they Mm. told me you have X amount of days to pass the pregnancy naturally or else we'll have to do a DNC, whatever. So um, I was waiting. And as soon as I felt it like coming on, I don't know if you've ever unfortunately had a miscarriage. Yeah. I feel it start to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It almost feels like you're about to get your period, but you're also about to get sick or something. Mm-hmm. So I had messaged my boss and said, "Hey, it's happening. I'm not coming into work today. I'm not gonna be able to open. I ran a uh, an after school care for kids. I'm not gonna be able to open up my location. You have to do it." They called and texted me, and called and texted me, and called and texted me the whole time. I was in the tub, on the toilet, on the floor, having hot sweats, passing the pregnancy. Like they called and texted me the whole time. Where's this? What's this password? Where's this key? Who's in charge of this? Where are we going? What's your plan? Who's your? I can't even take a day off to lose a child. Yeah. That, then I can't work. You.
0: Yeah, that's that's wow.
1: And listen, I, I do not hate that person, my direct superior. We are friends. And I, I called him, I don't know, sometime in December to ask advice on something. I mm-hmm. think that he just doesn't understand what I was going through. And he was younger. Yes. Also, so that's fine. But yeah. that wasn't the the environment that I felt I could be the kind of mom I wanted to be. So I had to go and find a way for me to be the kind of mom in the term on my terms, you know, which you and I, I think are lucky enough to have done. Not everybody's that lucky.
0: Yeah, I can remember. I can remember it like, like that I was, I was working and I went to the bathroom and then that was it. But we were at our office was at the hospital. So I had to go just straight upstairs and there was no heartbeat. And I remember driving home. I ran a red light. I got pulled over by a police officer and he was like, are you okay? And I told him and my husband was working, I think third shift at that time. And I had to go and tell him. Um, And the second one wasn't as intense, but you know, the, the big thing about miscarriages that really hurts my soul is that people don't talk about it enough. It's almost like it's, it's a a bad thing. And it's like, it's a loss and we didn't do anything, you know, to make it happen. It's just, it just happens. And it's a lot more common than people talk about, but people don't like to talk about it because they don't like to talk about those things. First of all, people don't like to talk about death much, but they definitely won't talk like to talk about it when it it has to do with a child. And it's like, but it's still sharing is is still a part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where it always, the more I talk about it, the more I see how many people are in the same situation. I think, that
1: situation. I think I've experienced the exact same thing. So my second pregnancy that I lost, um, I, I lost a, a baby, had a baby, lost a baby, had a baby.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: my second, the first one, we really just didn't talk about, like nobody talked about it. Matter of fact, I remember my husband was at work and I also ran a red light to get home, but I didn't get a ticket, but I remember mm-hmm. thinking like, I'm going to get slammed into, but I couldn't stop. Like it, it was, mm-hmm. I had to get home. So I ran a red light flying home. I had texted my husband. It's happening. Get home. I'm really sick. And he asked me if I needed anything. And at the very beginning of our road was a little convenience store. And I said, can you get me a really ice cold white Powerade? Because I was super dehydrated. I was so thirsty. Mm -hmm. And I have this weird thing. So sorry to anyone who I fan with this. I love a Powerade. Hate a Gatorade. Can't do it. Gatorade just tastes (laughs) like wet to me I just don't I don't mm. know it, it's almost like if oil and water were in a bottle together that's the feeling that it gives me in my mouth That's probably like pretty it. much what it is <laughs> yeah it's gross I don't like it so I wanted a really ice cold white Powerade and I heard my mm. husband open the door he came and knocked on the bathroom door and said do you need anything I didn't want him to come in because I was laying on the ground butt naked next to mm. the hot tub and then also getting on the toilet and just like my, my body was going through it okay I was basically mm-hmm. going through labor I was mm. like no, I'm fine I was not fine. I was dying. And uh, I finally passed the pregnancy. I came out of the bathroom. I was like sweating. I was so weak. And I said, where is the Powerade? And he gave me fucking Gatorade. <laughs> and I said, I don't want this. I wanted a Powerade. You know how I feel. He was like, well, they don't have any Powerades at the store. Why don't you go fucking get a Powerade? Oh. Robin. ruh we almost got a divorce. I was like, okay, I'll go get a power raid. You stay home and lose the baby. Oh right. my God. He, it he had, I think he just thought I was having a bad, yeah. Well, he feels so bad. I think he yeah, thought I was yeah. just having a bad period. Cause we're kids. We got, we, mm-hmm. we started dating. When we were 23. We got married and then we had this first pregnancy and whatever. So he, he had no idea what was going on. He didn't realize yeah, you've been together 30 takes. years. Yeah. So he, um, I met my husband when I was 15, he beat up my Mm -hmm. boyfriend at a party and I didn't talk to him for many years after that, (laughs) but we started dating senior year of college. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so by the time we had the second one, it was technically my third pregnancy my body was going through. So I showed really fast, faster than I wanted to. And we bought our house because we needed another room for another baby, right? So we go to take the picture with the sold sign, and I am I look six months pregnant, Robin, and I'm about sure. 10 weeks pregnant. So mm-hmm. we said um, we we bought three we, – we have 3,000 square feet, and in September we're adding two more, I think is what the little post said. And it was so cute, and 200 people on Facebook told us, congratulations, oh, my God but there's no way I could have posted the picture without acknowledging the pregnancy. And then about a week and a half later, there was, we had heard a heartbeat. There was no more heartbeat. Mm. And it was devastating, but because it was so public, the more I said, like, I I just went ahead and posted it. Instead of telling people every time I ran into them, no, we're not going to have that baby. All these women. And I noticed this on Facebook a lot. If I just say the quiet part out loud on Facebook, everyone will join in all these women that I personally know in real life said me too, me too, me too, yeah. me too. It was such a big deal. And someone else commented on it and said the quieter part out loud, which was, I'm so glad we have a space where we can all admit that this is going on instead of all of us walking around feeling alone. Like it only happened to us. Sure. It's like now nah, some of us are unlucky enough to have punched this card more than once. I yeah. remember my Well, that's her business. I was going to say a a girl that I know had had it had happened to her several times. And there was plenty of reason Mm. for us not to like each other. But I couldn't help but feel so badly for her that it had happened three or four times. Mm. I'm not going to reach out to her because it would probably be inappropriate. But I I just felt so badly for her. That's uh, that's rough for anybody to go through. Yeah. So when I start to hear other things that women go through and tend to not talk about, like who knew how many women We're missing partial or all of their areola. Who knew how many Mm -hmm. people were walking around with just one areola or no areola? Until Mm -hmm. you start providing the service, nobody ever tells you that. And there's no reason for me to open your shirt and look. So Mm -hmm. I would have never known. I had a mommy makeover and I had a lift with a small implant. And Mm -hmm. I got some necrosis at the bottom portion of one areola. So it was just scar tissue with no coloring to it. Sure. So I still had nipple. I still had areola. And unless you were like staring at my areola, you wouldn't even notice that a a portion of the color was gone, but it bothered me. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys know this, God, we're talking so much about lady parts today. (laughs) After you have a baby, the color of your areola changes. It's not its original color right after you have a baby. It's like very, very dark so that babies can find it to eat. Sure. And then Afterwards, it starts to fade, but it never goes back to, you know, a mint condition, let's say.
0: Sure, sure. So I
1: wanted to make them a little closer to mint condition color, which is just adding in a little rosiness or peachiness to them. So I said, hey, Carla, could you not only color match this to blend it, but then could you make them both the same color with just a little more rosiness to it? Said, sure. Come on over. You're my best bud. I'll just do it for you sure? As soon as I said that, do you know how many people started telling me, well, I didn't know you could do that. I'm missing color. here. I'm missing, I'm missing that. I didn't know. I don't have an areola. I had no idea how prevalent that was. You don't have to have breast cancer to not have your areola.
0: True, true.
1: How many women do you see who are not cancer patients? Um,
0: I would say maybe 20% I'll get for like, from like lifts and necrosis and stuff like that from, you know, like, one of my doctors, I just saw a picture. She took 16 pounds off this lady's breast.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. So, you know, th- th- that that's more bound to happen with those kind of things. But because of, you know, my relationship with the plastic surgery community, I'll get those. Now, as far as just a traditional breast and somebody wanting to darken it, um, I little. do those. But I usually try to make sure that they are being realistic, about things um, because, you know, and, and I won't work on them if they haven't had kids yet and breastfed, all that kind of stuff. I oh yeah, because they're
1: going to change really so much. Get, in,
0: get into all those hormones and all that stuff. But
1: yeah, and sometimes they
0: things they were born with, but usually they're surgically related. Yeah. So I'd have say you about 20 Um
1: Have you worked on cleft lips? Yes. Yeah. But, um, I... you know,
0: I, I have an issue with that too because a lot of my plastic surgeons will send them to me when they're too young and I just, I can't, it hurts my heart. Um, So I have a um, usually about 15 is where I'll start. Um, And I really have to work with, uh, I meet with her, you know, I meet with the her or the him. I meet with the parents. It's usually the parent that's trying to get it done more than the kid. And then I have to, you know, work on their, their schedule as far as like when they're going to be out of school and all that kind of stuff. But I work hand in hand with a craniofacial doctor when I do that. Um, and he's done everything that he can. So he writes off on it. He will numb them. Um, but I really have to make sure that they, it's just like with alopecia with the, you know, with their younger, I, I really have a hard time working on anybody that's not, you know, 15 is hard even that's hard. So they have to be mature and they have to understand. I got to know that they're going to take care of it. You know, it's a, it's a team effort.
1: Yeah. I have um, a client who is also kind of a girlfriend. Like we see each other around, you know, run the same circles. Her son had a cleft lip and cleft gum. And so as soon as he was able to, uh Oh, did I lose you? Hey, commercials suck, so I'm going to make this really annoying. This podcast is only possible because of our friends at BrowSister.com. Head over to BrowSister.com and check out our amazing selections of the best anesthetics on the market, all of the best and most reputable pigments, needles, and anything else you could possibly want. We've got everyone from Taryn to Shea Danielle, and now we even have lash supplies. See you there. BrowSister.com. Use code GLAMLIFE for 20% off your next order. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was born and they've done a surgery on that. I saw her today for her annual and she's very public and, and open about his journey, you know? And yeah. I said, um, I asked her this morning, like, does he have to have any more surgeries? I had no idea because I've never had a child with this issue that he has to have those surgeries multiple times because yeah. his face like is going to keep growing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's they usually crazy. have
1: like, by
0: this time they're 12, they usually had like 15 surgeries and especially yeah, if they're, the inside, you know, they've all different kinds too. It's, it's yeah. a lot of work. And then they have a lot of scar tissue um, and they're sensitive and yeah, it's a, it's a big deal because they keep
1: so cute. He is so yeah. cute. I just feel badly for him. I can't imagine ever causing that little man any pain. He's so cute. Yeah,
0: It's, it's tough. They have to get a dental block for sure. Cause nothing we have can touch all that. Oh
1: yeah. It's going to be nerves and everything.
0: Yeah it's tough
1: and this is the worst Mm -hmm. part to tattoo anyway exactly
0: oh god maybe i've got all this scar tissue on top of that so yeah even if they could handle the pain the scar tissue stuff is just tough so that's
1: something that's gotten so tricky recently is that everybody Mm -hmm. wants to save themselves time right nobody ever has any time it's probably the thing that we've run out of the most is time we have all this technology to help us save time but somehow we have less time than ever so yeah. nobody wants to do consultations anymore. Everybody wants to do a virtual consultation. Send me a picture. Send me a picture. Yeah. Well, how do I know if what I'm looking at in this picture that you say is three years old, there's almost no color left anymore. You send me a picture and your brows are bright pink. Now, is that iron oxide that's left over or is that scar tissue? Because one of those means I'm not going to tattoo you. Right. So, That's that I had that come up this morning in a DM and I think the girl thought I was blowing her off when I was still not giving her a price, but asking her if she could come in for a consultation. She's like, well, I sent you a picture over a week ago. I was like, yeah, and I could just name a price for you, but it might be different when you come in. So I'd rather you just come in and me look at the skin and have an honest, open conversation with you. But nobody wants to do that. Everybody feels like you're, you're blowing them off. I'm not blowing you off. I'm actually committing time to you. Touch it. Yeah. Yeah. Need to, I touch. need to Chances are, in, unless she's really had
0: removal or really bad microblading, it's probably pigment.
1: You never know because most of the scar tissue
0: that I personally feel like you know, because you you gotta realize I've been seeing some of these ladies for twenty years. Yeah. And I I don't microblades. So I've used a machine on them over and over and over. You you, can, you can't tell there's scar tissue in there. It's underneath. Yeah. But as I've noticed. In the past four or five years with microblading, it's completely different.
1: That's the problem I'm running into is I I'm seeing, that's why I was like, you, you never know. I'm seeing work from two or three people who don't work anymore. Yeah. They moved on to other ventures. I'm seeing some of their past clients who they worked on once or twice and they have deep scarring because maybe they didn't understand depth or pressure or whatever. Sure. And, yeah. and they're so sensitive because of that much scar tissue, but it also doesn't hold pigment as well. So now in almost 10 years in of tattooing, I, I don't want to work on that anymore. I won't work. Yeah. on. That. Listen, you're not going to be happy with the end result. I'm not going to want my name on it. Like I. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I
0: don't They'll anymore. find somebody to do it.
1: They will, but it won't be me. I'm. Yeah. over it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm over people pleasing. 2024 is my year that I stopped pleasing people at the end of 2023. I started pissing people off. So I'm just going to roll with that in 2024. Yeah. Once I said, you know what? I don't really care if you're happy or not. I care if I'm happy. So I'm going to stop doing the thing that makes me unhappy to make you happy. Life has gotten a lot better.
0: I have a friend that posted a thing that says, stop trying to make everybody happy. You are not ice cream.
1: I am not. I am not. I got my first one-star Google review recently. I oh. couldn't carry like, It wasn't even a client. It wasn't yeah. even a client. It was yeah. someone using my parking lot as their own auto zone. Right. And she left me a one-star review that said, most of the girls here are nice, but be weary. The owner isn't that kind or isn't that nice or something. It was the most empowering. The worst has happened. We have a one-star review now. The worst yeah. has happened. It was yeah. the most empowering thing that's ever happened to me. Because every time my son says, you're a me," I say, that's right. Google me. <laughs> yeah. One, st- yeah. <laughs> One star. Get out of here. Yeah. I'm not AutoZone. Get out of here, girl. Yeah. Anyway.
0: At least it teaches you how to respond to
1: them. Yes. Nah, I didn't even respond to it. I didn't care that much. Yeah. But I, um, I did feel free in 2024 to say no thanks to certain projects or to pass them on to other people. Sure. So I think that's something that as a, a big an artist in the beginning, I was so afraid to tell people no um, because I didn't want to lose business or because I didn't want people to think that I wasn't capable. Sometimes I wasn't capable. I didn't know everything fresh out of my first class, you know? It's so empowering to just admit like I'm not, I don't want to be the best at eyeliner. I don't want to. I'm hmm. not and I'm not going to work on that because I don't want to. Sure. Eyebrows. I don't want to work on eyebrows. I don't want to learn it. And I don't want to provide the service because I I really want to lean into the things that I'm loving. And right now I love lip blush and that's what I want to work on and and get into. So just because one person asked me for a service doesn't mean I need to go pay thousands for another course and start concentrating on a new skill to please one person. That's wild for a business to do.
0: Yeah. I did that with scalps and then I just realized like, it's very monotonous. I don't love it. I like Great. doing female density, but full scalps is a lot of work if you don't do it. Oh, it's time. hours. You know, if you do hours. it all the time, you're going to build up that, you know, that, so I have to actually break it up into, you know, three hour sessions. Cause I just, it's just too monotonous for me. I couldn't spend all day long doing it.
1: No mm. way. How often do you do scalp?
0: i mean on the on women um i probably do a couple a month but it's small things as far as you know full on scouts for men yeah just like where she's yeah paying. i mean i may do one of those every 3 or 4 months i mean because it, first of all when you start pricing it out it's usually pretty you know, it's it's usually a good amount of money for a lot of people. Yeah, and I just base it per hour, and that way they can do as much or as little as they want. But I do tell them if you're wanting this particular picture, this is going to be this. You know, because my speed is not going to be up to like Stevie G's speed, where you know he can just, you know, for me it's going to take longer because I don't have that memory reception of those little dots in my hands constantly. But an eyeliner, whip an eyeliner out in 20 minutes all day long. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's just, that's just what's, you know, just ingrained in my mind. So, you know, that you can't be good at everything. You can't So be good at the things you're good at and the other things pass on. them.
1: And honestly, if I wanted my business to feel like a job, meaning it mm-hmm. feels like something that I'm obligated to, and I'm dreading doing it, then why yep. wouldn't I just go work somewhere with less stress? Like Absolutely. you could go and get hired somewhere and you clock in and you clock out. And when you're not at work, you don't think about work. Like we were just saying, like, we're never not at work. We're always at work. Always. If it doesn't light me up with joy. I don't really want to do it. Yeah. So when I retire, I'm just going to be a dog walker. Yeah. Because... I was about to ask you, what. when do you think that you will retire? What does that look like? You're one of the first to like uh, truly pioneer this as a career, a full-time yeah. career. So yeah. nobody knows what that looks like yet. What does retirement from PMU look like?
0: Well, I guess since I was so young when I got into it, And I'm only 53 now. Yeah, you're young. So so. it's sort of like, you know, most people would retire at 65. There's no way I'm waiting till that. But my husband's eight years younger. So I have to do something, you know, in the meantime. So I did say that I said either dog walker or, you know, volunteer. So I don't know. I don't know. So I do have in my mind, like when I would When I would say I want to retire, I had like this five-year plan a couple years ago, and now I'm down to like three years. I think when I find somebody that I can that wants to take over the business, and I feel like I can trust enough to give my people to them, which means I'm a control freak about who I'm gonna let work with my people. But yeah, your legacy. Me and I need to trust them, and they need to trust them. So. Whoever will be brought on and, you know, when they're ready, six months, year, whatever, to just go full steam and take it over that. That's probably I've taken over three people's practices that have retired. um, What does that look like? uh, So basically, you know, it's just. Here you go. Are you interested? Do you buy it from them? So some want it and some just here, I'm going to give them your number. I'm moving, whatever. Or can you come into this office that I worked with this plastic surgeon a couple of times a month and just take care of my people because I want them to be taken care of. Um, there's just so many different ways you, you can go about that, but
1: there are, yeah, as far so as selling a practice, that's no. what I was going to say. It's so interesting yeah. because in this business, you are the business. Exactly. So Wait, how do you sell that business when the business is Robin Hayes' artistry? How do you yeah. sell that to someone? Does that look like I'm selling you my client list or I'm going to refer people to you? And then how do you charge for that? How do you equate what the business is actually worth? That's an interesting question for people who wind up wanting to transition out of this later.
0: Yeah. I mean, basically, till you find the value. Obviously, your accountant sits down and finds the value with the, the, the attorney of what your business is worth the, This the past three years, like normal. But uh, you will, some people will sell files. That's how doctors used to do it, you know, per file, which would be a client list. Um, so I think that's just one of those things that um, if you have somebody that is interested, you have to figure out where they are on that arena. Yeah. Um, I know that my mom sold hers for $200,000 10 years ago.
1: What was included in that? Just the client list or was there like, we had some supplies, but
0: no, no, no property. Wow. Client list and supplies.
1: That's amazing. That's the first time that I hear of someone successfully selling just the, I don't know, like intellectual property, I guess. That's not the right word.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, to to some degree, but yeah, I mean, you're, um, and she's still, she's still working and, and, um, doing, doing fine. So you know it's out cool. there when you consider what we what you would invest in x amount of years franchise or, or something yeah mhm yeah
1: that's really that's really such an interesting idea i'm going to look into that and see how many people have been able to cuz you know when i first started i opened um victoria rocka permanent cosmetics mm-hmm. and then when i decided to open up a school i didn't make it the victoria rocka school i made it the microblading institute because i knew that I could sell that one day. Right. But not everybody goes into it with that much forethought. I had that much forethought because I was already studying how other people were running these businesses. Because like Mm -hmm. I said, when I go into it, I want to learn all about it and do the whole thing. I'm very nerdy. I'm like, I'm going to get an A plus on this, whatever. So um, I was really kind of reading the room and seeing like, oh, okay, so that one's Her Name Studio and that one's Her Name Artistry. And how do you get Mm -hmm. out of that? How do you get out of that? Or how do you hire people and then get them to, to work? You know? Oh no, you should go with this girl who works for me. Well, no, yeah. I've heard of Victoria Rock of permanent cosmetics. That's yeah. Difficult.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that is something too. It's almost like you have to have a, a side business to sell because it's the name. So if it's your name and you're no yeah. longer there. But yes, I think it's just like with anybody, you're if you take them under your wing, your prices are going to be here. Their prices are going to be here yep. and if they can't get in with you. They're going to go in with them. They know they trained with you. They have the same ethic as you. And then eventually it just sort of tapers off to whatever you decide. I've, I've had one friend that sold her phone number, just her phone number, her business phone number for $40,000. And this was like, how'd you broker that 12, 13 years ago,
1: where do you find a buyer for your phone number?
0: the gir- girl that you know she had trained and she knew she was quitting and she knew that people would be calling to make appointments and she took it that's, over
1: that's so smart that yeah. is so smart yeah what state was that in
0: Georgia yeah okay Georgia. My, friend, my friend Pat the girl is no uh, the girl now refers to me because she's gotten out of it but I was like, that was brilliant, you know. Just so it's it's it takes you. Know, it's just like when you're going to sell a house; all it takes is one person. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know? That's true. You just need one buyer.
0: Just need one person. Yeah.
1: Robin, so. what do you think um, is the future of Robin Hayes, the permanent cosmetic artist?
0: Hmm. Um. I think for me,
1: I am when I
0: decide to just sort of like trickle down a little bit. I'm just going to do um, paramedical cases um, and just stuff from the heart. It's not going to be a a thing. Yeah. Or passion. And hopefully I will be able to pass what I've learned on, you know, to the, to that next generation that I think people want to get into it because they save the world, but they don't understand. They got to get all this other stuff out of the way. You need to be good at all these other things before you get into this. But now some people are just starting off with this. And I understand, too, at least you don't have mixed bag. You need to learn all the needles, all the pigments, all the everything. You need to touch skin a thousand, 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 thousand times. Um, And I don't have a skin background. Obviously, if people had a skin background, I think that that's even better. But um, it's just all the things that you learn. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to to pass that part on as far as me branching out. You know, I just—I I think I have these control issues where I'm just like, "Yeah, okay." I don't know; it's going to be hard for me, but yeah. I know that it's coming eventually. If somebody um, has the desire and and I can see the the fire in their eyes, then you know I'm willing to um, take them on and see what happens, or take a few people on and see what happens. You know, I've got like ten different offices that I work out of, so. <laughs> you know, About 10 offices, no big deal. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe I've got five years left. Maybe i got three years left. COVID did a, did a number to many of us just in general. Oh, yeah. It just, it just I find that I get irritated quicker. And, you know, all of a sudden I got adult ADHD and, you know, it's just like, oh, so, and, and I do it all myself. I don't have anybody under me. I do everything. I do all my booking, all my ordering, all my everything. So I am it, um, the everything, you know? So
1: I would say you definitely have some control over that.
0: (laughs) And my husband is not on social media And by eight o'clock at night. He's like, put the phone down. You know, this is our time. So I have to respect that, honor that as well. So, you know, yeah, I'm happy with the amount of people I see, the amount of money I make. I'm not interested in driving around in a Bentley. Could I get one? Sure. I could, could I put it on social media? Yeah. I don't care about that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm running around in my track suit half the time looking like I'm homeless, you know, <laughs> when I'm not working, you know, I'm, I'm walking dogs. I'm, I'm riding rides at six flags with kids, you know, I'm, I'm going on vacation I'm whatever, but, um, yeah, I put as much, uh, into it as, as I want to anymore, but the good thing is we have the flexibility to do what we want. I want to take off five days to Japan. I take off five days to Japan, you know, Woo-hoo. but I think it will always be in me, you know, yeah. think, I think
1: I'll always be around. Entrepreneurship is to the marrow. I mean, it runs through your veins through and through and through. And I grew up
0: with a mom that, you know, like started doing nails when, you know, she was the first like sculptured nail person in, in my city, you know, she started off with a makeover salon. So I've always grown up in that industry of single mom, like busting it, you know? So it wasn't anything, um, weird for me to follow suit.
1: So you're not going to be able to just be a dog walker. You're going to wind up running a dog <laughs> business. You'll have a king boarding yeah. well, dogs. Is, and- I want a farm
0: and I want um, to basically be like a hospice for elderly dogs that, Aww. you know, are on their last little leg. And then you can like order them pizza and booby oh night. And then you have vets that volunteer their time. And then when the time comes, you come and, you know, have l- your little you know, time with them. And then, you know. Robin
1: is going to run the farm. They (laughs) sent all of our childhood dogs to.
0: Like have a big pool, you
1: know, have like a snow cone thing, like food trucks every day, you know. Dude, you have to, and you you can just put a GoPro out and let it be live on TikTok all the time. It'll be the most popular thing. You can monetize it. Yeah. Yeah. Entrepreneurship never stops. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Anytime you can marry passion and your business, you've got a winner. Absolutely where can people find you?
0: Uh, web website is Robinhayes.com, r o b i n h a y s R O B I N H A Y S.com. There's no E in my last name. Um, that's usually the best way. And, you know, I've got the Instagram and the Facebook. I do not have a TikTok cause I do not need another thing to take away from my life that, you know, starts at five o'clock. I've oh started, you God. know, starting off, starting all over again with another family is, a uh, is, you know, that's, that's my, that's my thing right now for the next few years. And then we'll go from there.
1: Huh. Well, thank you for making time between your four children, your three <laughs> dogs, your ten, <laughs> 10, different appointment sites. Thank you for making yep. time to come and, and visit with me and the Glam Life yep. podcast audience. Yeah, I appreciate it. You. I feel like I got lots of nuggets out of this. Um, and like you kind of opened my eyes to how good we have it. I have not yet had to take powder and mix it in a blender. So, yes, we're pretty
0: good. Yes, very blessed. And we can actually numb people without, you know, burning their eyeballs out. Thank you. Amen.
1: Oh my God. <laughs>